Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. This has been a tough flu season. Victims have been hit hard and suffered through extended periods of misery. It's a tougher strain than expected. The area has been greatly affected. We'll be talking about why and how to deal with it with one of our good friends here on the program, Dr. Ken Haller, slu care pediatrician at Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital, also professor of pediatrics at St. Louis University. Ken, great to see you again. Great to be here, Don. Have you managed to dodge the bullet yourself? I have. Let me find some wood to knock on because that's scientific. Yeah, right. <laughs> but so far, I've, I personally have done okay. But we've had a lot of kids coming in who are very, very sick. You know, I, 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 listening to Greg Montano's weather forecast, I was just wondering, it's 60 degrees today, maybe a little bit warmer than that. It's going to get cold again. Mm-hmm. Do these dramatic changes in temperature have any bearing on flu? The reason they, they have a bearing on flu and why we call colds colds is, uh, is not so much the temperature itself, but what it does to the membranes in our nose and our throat. Mm. When the air outside gets drier, when it, well, when it gets colder, it loses its humidity. So it becomes drier. That dries out the mucus in our nose and makes it uh, a little thicker. And it uh, causes the membranes in the nose to get dry and stretch and even crack. And that's why it's very often we'll get nosebleeds at this time of year during cold nights. And uh, so we have to talk about mucus. Whenever I come here, I always talk about mucus or some bodily fluid. So mucus is our friend. And um, what it does is it coats every part of our respiratory tract from the tip of our nose down through our throat, down through the the breathing tubes, the... uh, um, uh, the trachea, the bronchi, all those little tubes that branch and branch and branch all the way down to the, uh, the little air sacs called alveoli. Now, what the mucus does is it acts as a sort of flypaper. So while the air around you may look clear, we know there's plenty of stuff floating around there. And whenever we breathe in, that stuff comes into our nose. And so what the uh, mucus does is it traps those particles. A lot of times it's just dust or, or, or other particulate stuff, but a lot of times it's, it's viruses and bacteria. Mm-hmm. And the, this, this sheet of mucus, <laughs> I said mucus yeah. was bad, wasn't, itself wasn't bad enough, but the sheet of mucus that covers the membranes then slowly gets pushed toward the throat, down from the nose, up mm-hmm. from the lungs by small hair-like projections called cilia. And the cilia beat kind of in, in, uh, in rhythm. They sort of would look like uh, you know, a field of wheat in Kansas when the, when the wind blows over it. Everything mm-hmm. pushes in the same direction. So imagine a sheet of mucus on that field of wheat. This is just getting worse, isn't no, it? You know, <laughs> I'm not going to imagine that, but go <laughs> yeah. ahead. So anyway, all, these, all this stuff is trapped in there. It works its way up to our throat. We swallow it. It goes down to our stomach. We don't think about it. And that's why we have acid in our stomach. The acid in our stomach, while it can be annoying, is there to destroy all this bad stuff. It then digests the mucus that goes down there. The proteins get reabsorbed. We make more of it. And just to get this out of the way now, the average adult makes approximately one quart of mucus per day. Now, luckily, it doesn't all happen at once, and the vast majority of that stays inside our body and gets recycled. But this is really, really important. And so what happens is if that mucus gets thicker when the air is dry, then uh, it won't move the way it should. And uh, if the membranes underneath it get thinner, then that allows for breaks for these viruses to get into those deeper layers and cause the infection. In other words, another reason to hope for a mild winter. Yeah, for a mild winter. Or when it does get cold, to do what you can to humidify your environment. Uh, that can be uh, as simple as taking a, uh, you know, taking a couple of showers a day. Uh, a humidifier can be helpful. I will say uh, for my friends, for my colleagues who are allergists, they're not big fans of humidifiers because they can 
you know, if you leave water in a humidifier, it can create mold and mildew, which causes its own problems. Uh, but if you're meticulous about keeping a humidifier clean, changing the water every 24 hours, cleaning it the way the manufacturer recommends, that can be very helpful. And even doing things like using a, a saline or a saltwater nasal spray, spraying that up your nose or putting that, using that as drops in your child's nose, as often as every two, two or three hours when you're stuffy or congested, that can humidify those membranes really well. And of course, and you're going to hear this a lot, fluids, fluids, fluids. Just drink lots and lots and lots of water because that will work its way to these membranes and keep, keep maintain the integrity of the mucous membrane. Well, you know, uh, Ken, aside from the first two weeks in, in January, it was mm-hmm. extremely cold here, it's been a relatively mild winter. So why right. is this such a bad uh, a flu season? Well, there are a couple of reasons for that. One is that the uh, 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 frankly, this is a particularly bad strain of flu. This is uh, what's called an H3N2 uh, strain of flu that that seems to be the bad one that, that's hitting us this year. Um, the H and the N refer to different types of uh, proteins on the on the coat of. Uh, the, the virus, and unfortunately, the vaccine that was uh, that was created for the United States does not hit that one directly. Um, and then, of course, that gets to the question of why do we have these vaccines? Why do we have to have them every year? Uh, flu is frankly a fairly clever virus in that it tends to mutate from year to year. And so scientists at the CDC, people who are much smarter than me, look at what's going on in the southern hemisphere, you know, when it's, it's summer there, when it's winter here, and they see, oh, these strains are, are working their way through the, the, uh, the southern hemisphere. We expect them to show up here. And the uh, tri- or quadrivalent uh, flu vaccine that covers three or four strains usually is based on uh, what they're seeing and what they're predicting. Unfortunately, this one, this H3N2, was not one of them. Yeah. Um, and so that means that probably it's only going to be about 30 or 40 percent effective, if that. A lot of guesswork involved. It's yeah. as simple as that. There it? is a lot of guesswork involved. And, and, you know, even with all the computer modeling and algorithms and things like that, sometimes the, best, the, the guess is not as good as we would like. Does that mean that the vaccine that people have been taking since last October or so mm-hmm. is just not effective or totally ineffective or what? No, it's, it's not totally ineffective. And, and we still recommend getting it because, uh, you know, I got, I got mine and I'm still glad I did. Uh, the thing is that even if you get the H3N2 strain, it will still likely make your illness less uh, less severe if you do get it. The other thing is that that uh, while the vaccines uh, change from year to year because the strains change from year to year, the 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 immunity you get each year does tend to have a sort of a, a shadow effect for a few years after that. So even though you're getting vaccines against certain strains this year, that will still give you some protection if those strains show up again in the future. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that that even with this imperfect vaccine, um, if everyone were to get vaccinated and that were to cut the uh, number of susceptible people by about 30 or 40 percent, that would mean that many few potential contacts. And the thing is that as we reduce the number of contacts in an environment or in a community, what happens is there's less of a chance of you meeting that that person, catching it, Mm -hmm. and there's less of a chance of it spreading from person to person. And that is one of those things where there's sort of a geometric curve when you, you you reduce that by absolute numbers. But the the protection goes up by uh, by a larger proportion. How long is this season going to last until it gets warm? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Generally, flu season lasts until early May. Mm-hmm. Now, we seem to be at the peak of it, and Missouri, uh, I think there was a story here at St. Louis Public Radio on the website uh, that talks about how Missouri, we're number one. <laughs> we have the, we are like the top state, and about 5% of people currently are affected by, by flu, at least by indirect measures from the CDC and from other, other indicators that look at you know, how often people use electronic thermometers and things like that. So we do seem to be at the peak of it, at least in St. Louis. This will probably drop off, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't get a flu vaccine or you shouldn't take the precautions that I'm sure we'll talk about. It's not too late then to take oh, no. the flu shot, even though it is not totally effective. Even though it's not totally effective, because we've still got you know two, three months. You know, we still got February, March, April, mm-hmm. as, as well as the rest of January. The vaccine does take uh, uh, you know about a week and a half to really be fully effective, but that will still protect you for three months. If, to a limited uh, extent. If, if someone has had the flu this year, mm-hmm. are they immune to that particular strain from henceforth? They should be pretty much immune to it from then on, although, again, that does tend to wane over time. Uh, immunity to a strain of flu does, does, uh, uh, does tend to wane over time. And the thing is, because flu is so clever, it changes the proteins and carbohydrates and things like that on its coat. It can change enough that it can that that a that it's they're almost like fingerprints. No two strains of flu are exactly alike from year to year, but you do get some protection still going forward. So so getting the shot and and even you know unfortunately during those times you get sick that may give you some protection into the future. There are some other viral uh, problems out there at the right. present time. Our producer Mary Edwards had a double whammy this past mm-hmm. week. It cost her a, w- a week of uh, work. <laughs> <laughs> and Mary, we're glad to have you back. Um, yeah, it's it's that's the thing is that. Everything that everything that sneezes and is not the flu at this time of year. And people will say, oh, I had a terrible flu for two days. I was home for two days. And it's like, that's not the flu. Mm-hmm. The flu will knock you out for a week. Um, so there are plenty of other viruses, adenovirus, enterovirus, rhinovirus. There are literally hundreds of them. And um, there are, you know, there are various uh, reasons why we probably see those more at this time of year. One is that... Uh, uh, because we tend to spend more time inside, we are in each other's faces, and when we sneeze, that doesn't dissipate into the atmosphere as it would when you're outside, but it stays in a room and people breathe it. Uh, the other thing is when droplets come out of our nose, uh, if uh, if it's not very humid, those droplets may be smaller so they can go a little farther and go to another person. So there are reasons why we tend to get them more at this time of year. Um, but the thing is that uh, if you if you are sick with it, with with something for a day or two, that's not the flu. I did I did actually have a viral illness on on Christmas, and I you know so I pretty much spent Christmas and Christmas Eve. It was it was terrible, yeah. uh, <laughs> just <laughs> drinking a lot of fluids and taking ibuprofen and just all that kind of stuff and watching Netflix. But it was two days, and that wasn't the flu. It was one of these other things that you know that that is out there in the world. What what kind of precautions can people take? Just basic stuff, right? Well, the thing is, again, the the, the vaccine you know is is important, but that's certainly not the only thing. It is really important to uh, uh, to wash our hands frequently, um, to use uh, hand sanitizer. You know, whenever we meet people, it's it's not a bad idea. It's not impolite to carry around a small thing of hand sanitizer and use it after you shake hands with somebody, uh, or before, for that matter. Um, 
you're being more polite if you do it before. <laughs> um, but uh, but that's that's a good public health measure. It's a good personal health measure. Most of this does come from uh, you know a lot of it does come from surfaces, from uh, people sneezing into their hands, shaking hands with someone. That other person then will rub their nose. I mean, there are all kinds of studies that show how often people like touch their nose or put their finger in their mouth or things mm-hmm. like that. We don't like to think about it, but we all do it. And that's how it gets passed from person to person. Um, so there's that. Uh, the other things are just drinking, drinking lots of fluids. As I said earlier, keeping the keeping the natural membranes, the natural protections our body provides for us, uh, keeping them, uh, you know, up to snuff by by drinking lots of fluid, making sure that fluid gets into those membranes in the nose is really important. Um, using saline nasal spray, using a humidifier if that works for you. Again, taking. Uh, taking a bath or a shower once or twice a day to really steam up the bathroom. Those things can be very helpful. Um, uh, and, and just good, good other, other general things like getting a good night's sleep every night. That uh, when we don't get that kind of sleep, then we tend to release uh, things like cytokines into our body, which can – uh, which which are also released during sickness. So the thing is that cytokines are a chemical that re- gets released into our body to try to fight off infection, and it does lead to sickness behavior, you know, just sort of feeling lousy and feeling achy and all that kind of stuff. And the same thing can happen if you just don't get enough sleep, mm-hmm. if you're running yourself ragged. Uh, so um, So just getting a good night's sleep is important. Uh, doing things to take care of yourself like uh, meditation, yoga, exercise, all of those things to keep our body moving, to keep everything working the way it should is really, really important. You know, you talk about the importance of washing hands, Ken. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- this is a, certainly a layman's question, but how does the germ get from your hands after having shaken hands with someone uh, into your system un- unless you're putting your hands or your fingers in your mouth? Well, um, that's usually how it works. <laughs> the thing is we don't – most people don't necessarily put their finger in their mouth. But what they'll do is they might uh, – you know, they're, 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 they're looking at a sheaf of papers or something and, and the paper sticks. So they put their finger in their mouth to wet it so they can yeah. lift that piece of paper or they uh, grab a sandwich and, and if their hands are a little dirty, those germs get on the sandwich. You eat the sandwich. It gets into your, your mouth and into the membranes. Um, uh, it, this is one of those uh, uh, things where there are ways that you can get like certain lights that will show you where germs are oh, on your sure. body. And, and, and the thing is nobody should ever use those lights because they will turn you into Howard Hughes, you All know, right. just make you completely germaphobic. <laughs> That's the world we live in. And, and so we, we, we do tend to do things like touch our nose and put our – our finger in our mouth and, you know, it's like, oh, I think I got the caraway seed in my teeth. Mm-hmm. You know, you put your finger in your mouth when that happens. Um, and again, if the if the membranes in the nose are not as – the integrity is not there the way we would like it, then, um, uh, you know, those those germs will get to the bad place. We have a uh, an email here from sure. Bob in St. Louis County writes, why don't public health officials do more to educate the public about transmission of viruses and regular breathing air? Even with all the hand washing and alcohol-based wipes, I've read recently that flu virus transmission occurs with normal breathing with those that are infected. That's uh, that's a really good point. A lot of it is just stuff in the air, and there's not a whole lot you can do about it. I mean, I th- I think that that well, there's not a lot you can do to prevent that. I mean, you you can go around with a mask if you want, and and some people, I th- you know, certainly if they have illnesses that that might be exacerbated if they have say had a kidney transplant and are on uh, medications to suppress their immune system, I think that's a good idea. For the most part, doing things though that will keep your body's defenses up. 
uh, again, drinking lots of fluids, getting enough sleep, using saline um, uh, spray in the nose to keep things nice and moist. That's the kind of stuff that will be really helpful. I I, uh, I, I think that, that public health uh, people do put that out there. I think that sometimes uh, the messages don't get across the way we would like. And so that's why I'm glad to be here to, to, to sort of help put that out there. And we're glad you are here, of course, yeah, needless yeah. to say. Well, we've talked about prevention and some of the other aspects of this. What about treatment? I mean, if mm-hmm. somebody listening right now has got it. They're wondering, what the heck can I do to feel better? What are right. some of those things? Chicken soup, for one. Chicken right? soup. Yeah, yeah, chicken soup is great. Uh, one of the things that, you know, the, the, there are these medicines like Tamiflu and Relenza, which are antiviral medications. Uh, their use is uh, very controversial. It's uh, it's felt that if you're going to use them, you have to use them, have to start them within 48 hours of onset of symptoms in order for them to be effective. And um, and even at that, it will only reduce the duration of symptoms by about two thirds of a day. Now, since a course of these things costs about 150 bucks. You know, if you're if 16 hours of your day is worth 150 bucks, then by all means talk to your doctor about it. But past that, it doesn't seem to do any good. Um, in terms of just treatment, this is a, a sort of a listen to what your body's telling you. Uh, these cytokines that I was talking about earlier, these chemical messengers, uh, will make you f- will give you those feelings of feeling sick. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that um, uh, I, I think maybe in a, a sort of global sense that that they do that is to tell you to just stop, just be quiet, don't run around, don't go shopping, don't go to work, just stay home and drink lots of fluids and do the things that your body is telling you to do. So once you have the flu, uh, just uh, uh, stay, you know, try to take care of yourself, get plenty of sleep, um, Drink lots of fluids. Chicken soup is good. People uh, will often crave uh, fruits that have a lot of uh, fluid in them, like citrus fruits and things like that. Uh, Listen to what your body's telling you. Now, it's also not a good idea to just lay down all the time. It's still a good idea to get up and move around because what happens in the flu is your body is producing a lot more mucus. And if you just lay in one position, that mucus will settle in the lungs that can block up air passages and then bacteria that are there normally that generally don't cause a problem will not be able to work their way out and up into our stomach the way I described earlier. And what happens is they can sort of fester up and cause pneumonia. That's why people will sometimes get pneumonia or a sinus infection or an ear infection. So make sure that you're moving your body around as much as you can to uh, and still feel comfortable. Um, but just listen to what your body tells you and and drink that chicken soup. Uh, just a couple of minutes left. I want to That's bring right. in David calling from St. Louis. Quick question, David, please. Uh, time's running down. Hi, doctor. My question is, I have an infant son who's crawling mm-hmm. and puts all his toys in his mouth, right. his hands in his mouth, and his hands touch the floor. And we try and not let him crawl in public places just at the house. But how do you prevent small children like toddlers and infants from getting the germs into their mouth? That's a really excellent question. I think that that, uh, an infant is going to do that. You can't not have them do that. What we really want to do is to uh, control the environment around them. As you said, don't have them crawl in areas where, you know, out in public or in in homes where you don't know people, but also protect the child by making sure that people around the child have gotten their flu vaccine. We recommend that everyone who has a child, particularly a child under six months, gets a flu vaccine because 
we, we can't give flu vaccine at less than six months. And the problem for young kids is that the younger they are, the more likely it is that they would end up with a severe disease that might end up with them in the hospital if they get sick with it. So keep keep your home environment as clean as possible. Um, whenever they're, uh, make sure the things he puts in his mouth are, are, are uh, you know, have been cleaned and maybe wiped down. Um, uh, and just make sure that everyone in his environment has had a flu vaccine and that they wash their hands or use a hand sanitizer before they pick them up. How long? We only have a minute or so left. How long are we contagious? And how do we know when we're not? Uh, essentially, what I say to people is, is once you get to the point where you have been without fever or symptoms for about two days, you're probably okay to go back out in the world. Uh, that's uh, you know sort of uh, the upper end, but I, I think we don't want to spread this. So, so give yourself a couple of days to get better and uh, get rid of the f- uh, fever and, and a lot of the sneezing, and, and you should be good to go. That really is an important point. If you've got oh, yeah. it, don't, don't uh, go right. to crowd places right. like the workplace, right, for instance. Right, right, yeah, exactly. In just a few seconds we have left, we had a, have an email here from Madonna who says, and this is, I think it's the way I understand it, it's something of a myth. Uh, I never get a flu shot because the last time I got it, I got the flu. Okay. Um, what happens is people get the flu vaccine this time of year because they see everyone who has the flu and then they get the, they've already been exposed to the flu. They get the flu and they go, ah, that gave me the flu. The flu vaccine has nothing in it that can cause the flu. There are no living uh, viral organisms in it, just parts of it that will stimulate your body to look for it, but it can't cause the flu. Lots of good information, as always, from Dr. Ken Howard. Ken, thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Ken from Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.